And welcome to the 405th episode of MGG Fast Finance, the podcast that's furiously climbing the beanstalk to buy list our smuggled specs. MGG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MGG Critic on Twitter. My co host is Cliff Daigle, aka at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the stuff that happened this week. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, my friend, what is on the agenda this week? We're going to lead off by talking about the metagame week in review. We've got a legacy and a modern showcase to talk about. Segment 2 is our top movers in paper, then our top movers online. In segment four, you and I have cards to watch, and then we're going to close out by talking about today's banned and restricted announcement, as well as uh, the preview of the 14th Doctor and such that we got today. Kicking things off with segment one, the metagame we can review, we're going to wrap up this era of modern with one last look at a modern showcase challenge that is now essentially obsolete. Black Red Scam did take this down, which definitely contributes to the... Uh, perception that Fury deserved the ban it got this morning. Shardless Rhinos in second, Amulet Titan in third, Hammer Time in fourth, five color, four color Beanstalk in fifth, which just lost the Beanstalk, now banned in modern. Uh, Shardless Rhinos in sixth, Yogmoth in seventh, and another Black Red Scam to bookend the top eight. You know, the, we're going to talk more about it, but yeah, there's a bunch of these decks that. Uh, lost cards, and we're going to see what steps up in the meantime. Over in the Legacy Showcase Challenge, which was, I think, one of the only formats that didn't catch a ban today. Correct. We had Reanimator in first, and their reanimation targets of choice include Archon of Cruelty, Hogak, and Atraxa Grand Unifier, which are just a... It's not a gang you want to walk into an alley and meet. Sultai Merktide <laughs> in second. This is Merktide Regent and Orcish Bowmasters alongside Up the Beanstalk, still playable in Legacy. And Lorien Revealed. You've got some Force of Wills in there, some Witherbloom Commands, Shieldred's Edict, Murderous Cut as another Delve card that can trigger the Beanstalk. Very cute. Third place, Teamer Merktide. Fourth, Oops All Spells. Uh, that nasty. Uh, zero land deck that's been floating around for ages. Sneak and Show lands in sixth, red white with fourth era Lingus, and all of the two mana uh, pain lands in seventh, and then blue black Murtide in eighth. These are some fun decks to play, and these are also, uh, you don't get into Legacy just to go switching around what you want to play. You pick your deck and you play the bejeebers out of it, and Oops All Spells, especially, is a deck where. You know all the intricacies. You're ready. To, you know what to pitch, what not to pitch, how to get things started. Uh, you know, it's one of the last places you can play for once upon a time. If that's a card, you forgot how busted it is to get that effect right at the start of the game. So this is a, a fun mix of stuff. And that reanimator suite, like Hogak out of nowhere, is just a reminder of how busted that card is. Yeah, and it's funny that Hogak's probably the third choice there. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, Moving on over to segment two, top paper movers, all sorts of action. Sarah the Benevolent foils from MH1 have dried up. That happened under my nose. I've got a Russian foil of that sit- sitting around somewhere that I guess I should uh, adjust pricing on. 50 to 70, and they're basically sold out. There's two copies listed just over 70 left on TCG Player, and that's it. Now, there is a secret layer version that I believe was by Rebecca Gway, if I'm not mistaken, but the art is way sweeter on the MH1 copies and they are the original print so i'm not particularly surprised given the lack of a main set reprint on these i think you would we would be in a different boat if you had seen this reprinted in commander masters 
I mean, we're talking two pretty iconic artists, uh, Magali. Uh, I'm probably going to mess up her name, and I'm sorry, Villanueva. Oh, I so it wasn't Rebecca Gway. It was uh, Maggie No, Rebecca Gway. W- w- no, uh, Magali was the original. Oh, it was the original. Yes, yes, yes. Rebe- you were right. Rebecca Gway was the Secret Lair version. The Secret Lair version is much more abstracty, and she's got sunglasses for some weird reasons. Yeah, it's impressionist. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, you know, the Magali one is phenomenal looking, and it's been a while since this came out. It was 2019, if you remember, all the way back at Modern Horizons 1. So we haven't had any notable versions come out in in the meantime, and this has just gone nowhere but climb up. Zetelpa Primal Dawn, foil etched on the back of Dino Hype, going 4 to $6. That's a Commander Masters printing. And it was like the fifth or sixth time Zatelpa has caught a reprint. So uh, certainly notable that the Dino hype is that strong. We discussed last week on cast how there was something like 150% more Dino decks than any other theme in the top 20 of the most popular commanders at present, which explains a lot of this. Cyberdrive Awakener extended arts have been on a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, that Neon Dynasty Commander card extended art version came in the CBs, going 350 to 550, 57% gains there. It's in 40,000 decks in EDH Rec and sees a smattering of play in Legacy and Vintage here and there. The One Ring Borderless poster version in foil and non-foil is starting to dry up pretty hard. The foils have gone 150 at release to about 250 today. That's 67% gains Hard to tell where that's going to land. I mean, it is the One Ring, which did not get banned in Modern today, which makes it one of the better cards you can be playing in that format. And probably one of the reasons that the four-color Omnath deck will take the the banning of Beanstalk and Stride. You know, it's a phenomenal magic card. We all knew that. We just weren't ready for the fact that the One Ring poster version has, like, the Eye of Sauron on it. It's... Among the more readable texts for the poster art, I know I've harped on that before, uh, it just it looks really cool. There's no other way around it. The Showcase Scrolls version looks cool. Uh, we've talked at length about how the original FEA copies were so damn hard to find, but now we've got this one that just clearly outshines all the others, unless you're Post Malone. The serialized version of this, I saw a copy posted in Japan while I was doing some hunting today at like $13,000. <laughs> There's only a hundred of them, right? That seems perfectly reasonable. Next up, we've got Atali Primal Conqueror Showcase Foils, 15 to 25. That's 67% gains as well, and that's on the back of the Dino Hype, of course. That's a pretty nice one to exit on if you, pick, if you had some uh, mom CBs that you cracked. I had a couple of these in decks from that era. I went ahead and listed them last night. Not be surprised if they sell in the next few days. Heroic Intervention Foil Etched has had multiple printings, including a Doctor Who Surge Foil printing and Extended Art printing with different art. And yet the Commander Masters Foil Etched is starting to dry up 15 to 28 over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Almost certainly targeted, but a combination of some players that want a foil version that isn't too dark because this is an improved version of the etching and won't curl easily in sleeves in a low humidity environment probably contributing to that and i'm definitely on the lookout for cheaper copies of this overseas yeah if you can uh, get your hands on these and and sell them off they're not the most premium version they weren't the hardest to pull but if they're among the highest cost then it's time to move them on out Radagast, the brown border borderless poster version, five to ten dollars just for the regular uh, non-serialized, non-foil versions. Probably targeted alongside a lot of the other borderless poster cards. There seems to be a lot of action on those. Court of Garen out of Wilds of Eldrain commander cards. The extended art, I think, is oh no, this is the non-foil regular version, going ten to twenty dollars, and pretty much all the versions have seen some some ratcheting up it's in 13,000 decks on edh rec since release a really good counters card and it's the only one of the the five monarch cards that is castable on three so it replaces itself pretty much right away we have and we will talk about these court cards being really good with the monarchy i think the monarchy is one of the best commander mechanics around and i'm not surprised to see the easy versions of this going and the only thing that would ever stop me from buying a bunch of these is knowing that eventually they will make a secret layer with all five. That's just a guarantee now. 
that, that's be entirely, a while, entirely possible, but I don't think it's going to be a huge priority. These commander cards yeah. tend to get overlooked. Uh, the other thing about this is it's really good in counters matters decks, but you don't. Yeah, free need, counters are good, but you don't need to be in a deck with an Ozolith to make this worthwhile because you're getting the counters every turn anyway. And if that's your only counters card, it's still buffing your creatures. So it's actually pretty good on the the dinosaur decks. And I would imagine some of this pressure is coming from that area. Dinosaurs are pretty good at defending the roost, apparent, especially given that some of the major ones you're going to be running have reach. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, we've also got Invasion of Ikoria, just regular copies going 5 to $12 over the last couple months. 35,000 decks on EDH Rex since release last spring. It's a smattering of play in 60-card decks as well. Just a really good mythic, the best of the battles, uh, it would seem. And I won't be surprised to see this slide up a little further. Yeah, that seems like a given. It's got a long time left in standard, and until it gets reprinted, that upward pressure is just going to keep going. It's just too good at what it does. And everybody likes to talk about how the reprints are just constant and, and troublesome, but the reality is that most of these standard cards do not catch reprints. Right, like we had that happen with Shieldred, the Apocalypse, uh, last year. But that, that was, was real minor reprint, though. Yeah, and that was an exception. It's no, by no means the rule. I mean, the, where you see that happen is more like Commander Staple, twenty years old, didn't catch reprints for a while, and then they give you two or three versions in a two or three year period. That that's the more expected model. But for something like Invasion of Ikoria, there's basically nowhere that's going to see print. Or a reprint any time for years would be my guess. Let me ask you this, and I want to derail this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put a time limit on you. But in under two minutes, will we ever have a standard? Uh, what's the word? I don't want I want standard masters. So like they reprint only standard no. cards. In no. The, no. Okay. Never. All right. It, it because the demand profile is not there. Standard standard was being played if standard was still the top format in the world and people played it in the millions then yeah you could get you could get like a and they extended standard like say, say they made standard three or four years worth of cards then it you is could start, three years oh now it is three years yeah so if they got into a three or four year period and a lot of people were playing it you might be able to start justifying that but a lot of it would probably just happen with the the challenger decks like that that was an intelligent model for introducing people to standard. Yeah, challengers uh, they need to read they need to do more of those clearly is what Well, they seem to they seem to have backed off it because they just don't they don't think standards that important anymore, which is unlikely to change in my view. And I I think we're actually due for a complete rethink of the of the base set uh product line. I I don't think making sets for standard anymore really actually makes sense. And I would rather them just put out magic sets and tune them up, and then we'll see what happens. They, All right. We can, we can have a deeper, is... deeper chat about that another day. Yeah. For now, Flaming Tyrannosaurus Extended Arts out of Doctor Who, 6 to $17. Dino Hype for 180% plus. Forerunner of the Empire. We probably missed the boat not calling that one out. Foils at a Rix. That's a Dino Tutor that puts, I think, the Dino on the top of the deck, if I'm not mistaken. 5 right. to 15 on the Foils. I think non-Foils are still under a dollar and might be might be worth a look. 200% gains. There's also an, an another overlooked dinosaur. Tranquil Frillback out of the Aftermath cards. There's a Foil showcase at that that went a dollar to $3. 200% gains there. Uh, and that one's pretty sweet because you get to pay two and a green and then you can play green or double green or triple green on top of that so you can it's modal you can pick between three casting costs and six and you get to get rid of graveyards destroy artifacts or enchantments and i can't remember what the third ability is exile the graveyard destroy an artifact or enchantment and gain four life are the three modes uh, yeah i know this because nice. I called it out in an article on the that went up on the 24th, and I was like, this is one of the rares in uh, Aftermath that got overlooked hard because of it being an Aftermath. But it's just a generically good green card that will never be bad. So we should always think about those cards. So people have already moved on these copies, and I'm impressed at that, and we'll see where it goes long term. 
Then we've got Smuggler's Copper, the Battle Bus edition of Secret Layer, going five to twenty-five dollars this afternoon as it got unbanned in Pioneer. And the regular copies of Smuggler's Copter from Kaladesh went $1 to $6, and they're probably going to push $10 plus, I would imagine. Uh, also unbanned in Pioneer. Hard to say where they're going to reprint that one. Uh, could be something that shows up in MH3, although it's not really a modern card. Uh, if it doesn't catch a reprint in the next year, they're probably going to get pretty pricey, because I don't think it's broken in Pioneer anymore. There's enough solutions for it, and the, the format is just deeper and richer than right. when it was banned which I think is the, the best excuse for unbanning it. Like, But it's going to need a reprint, <laughs> probably. It, it's going to need it, yes. Top Paper Movers, Cursed Totem, top of the week. Foils from MH2, 3 to $20. These are not the foil etch, just the regular foils. This is a weird one because, yeah, it was printed in Mirage 30 years ago, and... There was no foils in Mirage. So when it got the reprint in MH2, that was the first foil reprint. But, and, and yes, it's in 33,000 decks on EDH rack, but that's not particularly impressive for a 30-year-old card. Right. It's a modern sideboard card that does see play in a whole bunch of different decks. But if it was for modern purposes, like you would think that they would be going after the foil etch, not the pack foils. I don't think there are foil etched of this. There's just There is, uh, there is. Oh, okay. Yep. And uh, currently you know, there was a six. Sorry. They're currently at $12. Yeah. About, yeah. about 11 or $12. Oh, sorry. No, right, no, 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 no. I'm wrong. There, there are foil etch sitting around at $3 on TCG player. Well, that seems like something that won't last very long. So I think it, it feels like the foil rare totems were targeted i'm just not sure what they're thinking uh is it just that it's harder to find the etched foils on tcg player because of how they sort their stuff like if you go to uh the modern if you go to the page for cursed totem it'll show you regulars and foils but to do foil etched you have to like choose it from the drop down as you type it they could have missed it yeah that's possible People could be missing it yeah I don't know, but uh, this seems like uh, exactly the kind of griefer card a certain segment of players enjoy, or once in a while you build a deck where nobody else gets to have any fun, and uh, you, you probably don't play that deck too often because people tend to flip over tables. Let me see if eBay has caught up, because when eBay has not caught up, that is usually a pretty good sign that something's been targeted. Cursed Totem Foil. Do you remember off the top of your head, uh, was this just a one of in Karn decks and things like that? Or is just it's it's like in active it's in a whole bunch of different sideboards against like decks like Yogmoth, I would imagine. It seems like good sideboard tech against Yogmoth. You can't Druid, you can't Yogmoth. You know, that that does seem like an effective way to do it. You certainly can't have creature based answers to that Yogmoth combo. There are some foils around ten sitting on ebay but not below that so i mean the art's sweet the they're gonna reprint this again it could be in modern horizons yeah. 3 for that matter the but looks like you're probably gonna get at least a six month window here to exit some if you have them lying around from from your mh2 openings and you should definitely pull those aside and try to do that i would definitely be trying to sell them right now absolutely because i would imagine on tcg player where the lowest direct copy is currently $38, there is an opportunity to undercut that and sell a copy at 20 Yeah, get in there. If you've got the direct, uh, you can really do some damage. I see some other versions for uh, in, the, in the etched that are delightfully cheap, but you're right about the regular foil versions. Over on Magic Online, Ak Lazat's Deepest Betrayal out of LCI, 0.26 to 0.97 ticks, 273% gains on the back of some standard and red-black pioneer play. Greasefang Okiba Boss from Neo has gone 0.07 to 0.3 today on the presumption, I assume, that they think that Mono Green and uh, uh, the combo deck in Pioneer being removed from the top of the heap. Gives it more room to breathe, 328% gains. And then Preacher of the Schism put up some early results in the red-black decks in Pioneer. 
also a card that I added to both Aloro and my uh, Vampire deck and was very pleased with the results so far. 0.01 ticks to 0.15 for 1,400% gains. That seems like some gains that are easy to cash in on. This is a ridiculously statted card at two and a black for a 2-4 death touch. And then... And, yeah, and stuff. <laughs> and then and, stuff and more. Yeah. Like, that's that's a perfectly serviceable card, a 2-4 death touch. You're not doing anything. This guy's like, yeah, attack a player. And this, this is great. You just need some way to untap. That's a broken-ass card. And you're either getting vampires that have... that have lifelink or you're getting cards and losing a life which in my aloro deck i'm happy with all of the above mm-hmm. uh so that was top magic online stuff i've got a bunch of cards from uh, commander masters i want to talk about next week but for now i want to look at shieldred showcase foils from mom this is not shieldred the apocalypse this is just shieldred she has quietly gotten up to 32,000 decks since she was released. I have her in my Moldratha builds and have been pleased uh, pretty much every time I've cast her. She makes your opponent sack something and then things get real nasty if they leave her on the table. Uh, mine has a little piano sticker on it too, which is cute. $18 is the current going rate for Foil Shieldred showcases, and I think there's a very good chance that those are going to double up in the next 18 months, given where we are sitting with this card. The total number of copies available, if I'm looking at Foil Showcase, and again, this was a mythic, just like Apocalypse, 36 listings, and no vendor has more than four copies listed, and that's just one of them two of them and their price points are in the high 30s so i'm saying 18 to 35 to get up towards them seems pretty likely given that if you look at the sales numbers for a premium card you're looking at onesie twosie every day or two which is pretty much exactly what you would expect for this kind of thing i need to go check and see if i have put this card into my iara deck in this particular version or if i went cheaped out and got a regular um this is awesome i love the art you're right about the uh costs and the positioning everything seems real in tune for this and i i have no notes i've also really appreciate that this is about the only time right that they've done a different art for the serialized ones correct because this has the yep a different art for serialized and i feel like that's where we need to be we can't just keep doing serialized of regular stuff even though ravnica remastered is going to have that going on yeah and it's worth noting that the serial shieldreds are like a thousand dollars plus yeah they're crazy like people talk about how how the premiums always fall off but this is a perfect example of how if wizards puts in the extra effort and puts really sweet art on serials they will do better because i think it helps that this is a ridiculous magic card as well yeah you know it's an iconic character with uh you you alluded to how much it does when you flip it and it does everything when you flip it yeah because if you're in a deck that that wants to bounce blink or attack this is your friend because you're all your opponents are sacking a non-token creature or a planeswalker they can't just sack a token it's got menace so it can get in if you're in an attacking deck and then yeah if you and and getting to flip it is not hard either because you don't have to give up anything it's just five mana plus one of your opponents has eight cards in their graveyard which is relatively easy breezy in the mid game and then when once it flips the saga goes wild for each opponent destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker they control the next turn discard three cards and mill three cards each sorry each opponent discards three cards then mills three cards and then on the Third side, put all creature cards from all battlefields under play under your control, and then you get shielded back, and they set, they all sack a creature again. <laughs> and that's that's the other thing is that you get it started all over. Like I I, I don't it, generally get to do any of this because they kill it on sight, but then we'll right. draw the cast it again later, and then they've got trouble. So no, it's it's a winner. It's just, this it's is just a, a strong card. If, pick. Yeah, if shielded the apocalypse had never been printed, this would be more in the limelight, but plenty of edh players have gravitated towards it because it's just a generically good card that has a whole bunch of different synergies yeah there's there's no black deck that this is bad in so 
Uh, totally solid pick. I love it. I, I also think this is the kind of card that will dodge all the reprint problems. This is not a card they're going to be anxious to reprint anytime soon. It's not a big deal in Standard or Pioneer. It's mostly an EDH card. They've got plenty of other priorities. There's no product lines coming up this year that make sense for this card because it's still basically in print. And it could show up in a secret layer. But the Phyrexians are going to be off their radar in that regard, I think, for quite some time because we just right. went they're through a do huge... The next... Yeah, we did like three years of narrative around the Phyrexians. They're not going to go back to that well for another five or ten years. So <clears throat> I think we're good. I agree with you on that. All right. You've got a sell call here. I do. Uh, you have one week to get out of non-premium versions of Cyclonic Rift. Ravnica Remastered is going to be announced in a week on the 12th, I believe. And when they announced that Cyclonic Rift is going to be in that set, because it was originally in Ravnica Remastered, it is an S plus mega super commander staple card. It's going to be in this set. It's going to get uh, a retro frame for foil. It's going to get a serialized version. There's, But the main thing is there's going to be a lot more regular versions running around. Right now, uh, they're running around at $25 to $30 for your regular copies. I would be surprised if regular copies were as expensive as $15 once Ravnica Remastered hits because it's going to be a chase for serialized Shocklands and everything else is going to get real cheap unless they go something crazy with pricing, which is which is possible. Um, but it's not often that, like, we... I don't have any confirmation of information. I just know that Cyclonic Rift was a big Ravnica card. That overload mechanic is an original is it mechanic. And, you know, get out on your regular copies while you can. Take what you can get because the amount you're going to get is going to drop. You know what I've been wondering about Commander Masters? I'm sorry, I mean uh, Ravnica Remastered? I bet you... I, you know how people were like, oh, all the good cards from this have been reprinted? Well, yeah, but they're mostly really staples that have been reprinted. Yeah, but I bet you people are overlooking that this is going to include War of the Spark cards. That happened on Ravnica 2. Right. So I bet, I bet you a bunch of, the, bunch of those Planeswalkers, like three mana Teferi, are getting printed here. Sure. That's and Liliana Dreadhorde uh, General. Yes. So That is also true. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that, you know, there there is going to be a deeper pool here than usual. But I'm hearing through the grapevine with vendors that the pre-orders on this set were very bad and that the print run is going to be completely stilted as a result. There will be no reprints of the booster boxes and the CBs will are printed at a lower level than they would have been last year for Dominaria Remastered. So... It looks like they're going to get in on this and get out similar to what they did with Doctor Who, which could mean that the key cards uh, and the serials will, you know, do better than expected. Mm, we'll, we'll have to see what they uh, what the the come down is. Do you think it's a good time to sell Cyclonic Rift then? Well, I, I think you just made me some money because I had some foil etched Japanese <laughs> riffs in my cart at about $18 a piece. And now I'm rethinking it. Because well, I think you're right. They probably are going to reprint it, and they, they might well give us it in foil etched again. <laughs> so six months after the last time. Now, they might not. It's it's only a rare. I mean, I think they need the help at Mythic more than they need the help at Rare in this set. Bro, if they make this a Mythic, there's no way. No, no, no. I just mean that, like, they don't have to reprint Rift in a Rare slot because I just don't think they need the help at Rare. As much as they needed at Mythic, because they're they're printing all ten Shocklands, right? right? So that that carries a lot of weight in the rare slots. But I think you're probably right. Like they'll they'll probably do doubling season again. They'll probably do Rift again. All that stuff in War of the Sparks going to get printed again. Finale of Devastation is the main one you'd want to watch out for there. I have some of I have the Borderless Foil Dinosaur Finale of Devastation in my cart as well. So I guess that's a question. <laughs> that's also a question. Mark. I would wait. I would wait on that because now you'll get a chance at uh, some, you know, more premium version for the the pretty version if that's what you want to do. Um, but, you know, uh, we we don't have any guarantees. I don't have any secret information. But if you're looking at the sets that have been based in Ravnica block, 
Cyclonic Rift, even though it was just in Commander Masters, this is as staple as staples get, and you know we'll we'll have a chance at ten to fifteen dollars Cyclonic Rifts. I think. I, I think it is a good pause for consideration, for sure, and I, I think okay. odds odds are are that you're correct. So I'll probably remove those from my cart and go with some safer selections. The <laughs> my second selection this week is a follow up to the earlier discussion on Court of Garen Break. The foil extended arts can be had for fourteen dollars at present. It is the second most played WOC card, great encounters decks, but just great in creature decks in general and anything that can keep get and hold the monarchy. Uh, for three mana at minimum, you're drawing a card, so you replace the card. It's not that different than it's only one mana more than a cycling action at that point. And if you look at the foil extended arts, just a couple of months after release, we're down to 41 listings already. And this is a rare, not a mythic. But as a WOC foil extended art card, I'm not seeing very deep inventory, and it looks very much like it's going to slide up from the $14 price point to $25 in the next 18 months. Again, I don't think this is the kind of card they're going to reprint with any kind of priority sequence. I do think that them there being five of them makes them a perfect secret layer target at some point. Right. But that could be three, four, or five years away. Yeah. It could be at at minimum, I would think, 18 months. I mean, again, the card is still in print officially and will be so and if standard is three years long then in theory it's in print for three years yeah i don't i don't think the secret layer would come along there's a a whole lot of cycles like this that would love to be part of a secret layer cycle uh this is a great card i believe you picked the regular extended arts at one point in the past couple months so you know these are a slam dunk uh if i need to go check and see uh, if I have one of these in my Zaxara deck and make sure if I do or not. But yeah, 14 to 25 on this most pop, one of the most popular cards from the subset. That seems totally on point. And for all the reasons we talked about earlier, this is a, a great card. Good pick. All right. Talk me through your actual selection this week. Well, the card I think people should go buy is a card that uh, we've, we've talked about. Sometimes we, we miss a card. Uh, I missed on this one particularly. I've been trying to keep an eye out on Fierce Guardianship when it got to its lowest level in the super sweet frame break version. And the foil for that hit $50 a couple of weeks ago, but has bounced up into the $65 range. And now there's like one or two that are under 70. So I'm officially picking it at $70. And the time is now if you want to get a frame break foil fierce guardianship from commander masters uh we just got it reprinted in commander masters earlier this year so clearly this is the 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 version to go after because it looks just cool i love anything that does the frame break and this one does it right over the title in the most perfect way it's still legible does everything you want it to do i don't need to tell you how great a card it is or how it's in a billion decks but just know that we hit the low price of $50 on the foil, and that was in right before Thanksgiving. And everybody has gone nuts in the last couple of weeks, and it's up uh, almost $25, $30 recently. And right now, there are some people who have four or more available in the 80 range, but mostly you're talking uh, onesie twosie available in the 70 ish range, and they are selling nicely. Uh, the foils are selling like two or three a day for uh, re- recent times, especially with the Black Friday sale that TCG Player had. People took it as an excuse to upgrade the versions they have, and I'm sure this was part of that. The only thing I have to say here is that the ROI might actually better be be better on the non-foils. With something like Shieldred, there's like 150 listings for the non-foils, and it's going to take a while for those to drain out. But the foil to non-foil comparison for these is not that wide of a gap on TCG Player. I think it's 53 listings near Mint, um, and they start at about $30, $35. And it could be possible that these going 35 to 55 will be a lot easier than, say, 70 to 100 I think that in a lot of cases you're right, but in a card that this is that's this, like, ridiculous, especially in CDH where people love to spare no expense... I think I'd want to be in on the shiny frame breaks, but I, I understand where you're coming from, and the non-foils are probably a good pick as well. But knowing like 
seeing the velocity that it's had on the foils, the non-foils have gone up, you know, $10 since that point in November as well. But I think that given where it gets played the most, like you're not going to, you're not going to skimp out. You're going to go for the big one. And as it gets more expensive, it'll just have that more of a cachet to it. Interestingly, I don't see a super sweet bargain on these in Japan. It looks like I can get non-foils for about maybe seven or eight less than English is going for here, but the foils are not underpriced at all, despite right. you know the general consensus that EDH isn't a big deal in Japan. Well, it's a big enough deal with this card, apparently. Just taking a look at whether Haryu is any better. But I... I suspect that these are both going to show gains. I'm not just not sh- sure on how fast and the percentage. I would also argue that this is the kind of card that they will. They, they could easily have on the they docket to throw into a secret layer easily. within six months. Just because. Like, any any number of stuff. They, they could do a bonus sheet on Mo- Modern Horizons 3 with everybody's favorite commander cards. And just call it uh, We Love You sheet. And go go to town. In, in this I, particular instance, it's a card that they might have trouble topping in a secret layer. Maybe it would be amazing. Would, Maybe they would be, it would, because if they do an artist spotlight in a secret layer, sometimes those are just regular frame. And uh, even if the art's great, it won't, it won't come anywhere close to this. I would certainly agree that of the two pieces of art that are available for this card, there's no question this is the one you want. Uh, yeah. It's just, and it's just going to be about how much breathing room it gets before a reprint. If it if it stays out of print for two years, these will get there. Oh, definitely. Alrighty. Moving on over to the weekly topic, we'll kick things off with this banned and restricted announcement. Let me just see if I can find that. Standard, no changes. Pioneer, Karn the Great Creator is banned, Geological Appraiser is banned, and Smuggler's Copter is unbanned. So that drastically. You were right, injured- first of all. Yeah. <laughs> got got it pretty close. KGC being gone in Pioneer means Mono Black and Mono Green are in trouble. Geological Appraiser kills that deck outright. They uh, left. It slows it down by a turn. They talk about that in the explanation announcement. The uh, Really? So they, you think this deck lives without the Appraiser? I don't know that it's as popular as it was, but the fact is that uh, this is a lot like the initiative, right? In Legacy, they banned the three mana initiative cards, but left the four mana oh, initiative because, cards. Oh, because there's other discover cards at, at five? Right. So, Got like, it. Quintorius is the Planeswalker at five, and you can treasure. You, it's pretty easy to have one treasure in play by turn three and start your combo there. And then you are you have to have a one or two mana piece of interaction ready to go, or you lose to the combo. It's a lot. It felt a lot like Splinter Twin. So yeah, this yeah, way... But- Hold on. The appraiser deck and the and the Quintorius deck are different decks. The Quintorius they deck they operate off alone. the same mechanic though, and that's what they're saying. Okay. Is that like it's? You're right that uh, appraiser wanted to go into Eldritch Evolution, yeah. and then uh, go into a complicated combo. Quintorius will do something similar and just discover, discover, discover with the spark doubles. Right. So the problem is that. If you have a five mana card that wins you, if you resolve the five mana card and you do your thing with no interaction, uh, congratulations, you win. They wanted to downshift that from a four mana card where you must have interaction or you lose. That's all they're saying here. So it looks like the big winner there is black red, which was already kind of on top of the format outside of the this brief combo period because they get smuggler's copter to fool around with. Now, so does everybody else, but green and black lose access to KGC. The combo decks lose access to Appraiser. So it should be pretty interesting to see what Pioneer looks like next week. Similarly, Modern lost Fury and Up the Beanstalk, which <laughs> has the honor of being yet another Eldraine block card being banned in Modern within the first couple of months. Joins Once Upon a Time and Oko. Oko which I think took longer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, so Eldraine is still a source of bannable cards. People, I mean, you know, we debated on this cast whether in modern they were going to go after the black spells. You said it was too many cards. I said, so what? <laughs> They're not used anywhere else. It would be fine. They ended up going the Fury route. Um, you know, if you asked me last week, I was, 
I said in the Discord that it was probably Fury and Beanstalk, and indeed it was. The that just seemed to be the consensus in the community that that's what they were up to. And based on the clues they gave on stream last week, the black red deck, I'm not convinced still has life in modern. I guess we'll have to see how they adjust the decks that were running beanstalk, like shardless rhinos and four color Omnath can just go back to what they were doing before. They're totally fine. <laughs> Guys, was beans in the beans wasn't yeah. in bean wasn't in, uh, in shardless rhino deck. They were oh, in, yeah. uh, oh, Omnath yeah. decks. No, no, really? it was in Shardless Rhino's decks. And they were, one of the points they made was that, you know, it's broken when they're willing to hit this instead of the Rhinos. That's true. That's very, very true. Yeah. So, because they were running subtly in that deck and some other, like, and and some other, uh, and Fury sometimes, where they would be happy to hit a, you know, card off of a five drop that was already probably being cast for free so now some pressure is alleviated this doesn't this probably just evens the the floor a little bit i saw corbin pointing out on twitter the same thing that you and i talked about after the pro tour which was that red black didn't even do that well it was like 53 percent against the field in that tournament and on that basis i didn't even think it needed a ban but if you read through the notes, it's it's more about volume of of decks than it is result for the most part. And it's also a percentage of decks playing one of these two cards overall. Right. So, you know, I, sh- I sold a borderless Russian the other day. And three days later, before that package has even landed, that card's banned. Will not be surprised <laughs> if that person tries to pull a scam on me or otherwise return the card. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah hurts hopefully they were ordering it for legacy in which case they're totally in the clear i don't think fury would have been banned if it was just a regular like first strike card but giving it double strike means that after you play it and reanimate it on turn one not only is there nothing in play to stand in its way but that's a two and a half turn clock and it's quite possible you have other forms of interaction ready to uh, kill other things in play so resolving the fury just meant the game was not only just about keeping creatures that could somehow survive, but also you needed to survive uh, four uh, double pow- four power double striker coming at you repeatedly. So, the, not terribly shocked. Interestingly enough, I think Fury's main point of contention is actually the four points of dividable damage. Sure. Because the in the games where you go first, you double grief and decimate their hand. You've basically him to Turok and given up resources to trade and, and try to minimize what's going to happen next in the game, narrow the, the set of actions for both sides so that you the next powerful thing you do possibly can't be answered. Now, when they go first and they go one drop, two drop, like say Dragon's Rage Chandler into Ragavan or something, you can then Fury to clean it all up. They play a Planeswalker, you can Fury to clean it all up because it hits both. And it's that clean up leaving a threat that you know it's it's a wrath that becomes a, a, a threat and it being double strike yeah that's egregious but even as a first striker it might still have been bannable right so bottom line we're gonna find out <laughs> what this yeah. is to the format and i don't think these are gonna be unbanned anytime soon but i think that these are less egregious than other things that have been banned in the format along the way okay it, rapid fire i'm gonna hit you with a card name you tell me whether the price is gonna jump stay the same or drop okay you ready mm-hmm. all right for uh four color omnath the card itself the card itself I, I don't think the people playing that changes much here okay solitude that might go up because it's possible that black white needs to be re-explored as the as the ephemerate, uh, gr- you know, the grief solitude ephemerate black spells version might be worth a look. Uh, how about crashing footfalls? Stays about the same. I I don't think there's the same people that were playing it are still playing it, and it's still a completely viable deck without being stuck. And then uh, the domain in uh, Oblivion Ring uh, that Leyline Binding escapes me. Yes, Leyline that's Binding. the one. I think it's fine. 
stays the same. Okay. Right, we'll I, I would see. imagine I would imagine that the deck that might get the most pressure here is Black Green Yogmoth, which seems to be the, the the deck that people think might be the best in the format now. I mean, it got messed with the least, that's for sure, and it got and uh, two things that were really problematic for it were also removed. So yeah, G- I can given see that. that given that we've had four printings in four years of Yogmoth, it's going to be tougher to take off very hard. And again. People aren't playing standard, but they're not playing all that much more modern in paper. So it's just hard for modern to move prices. I mean, yeah, you saw Smuggler's Copper go crazy today, but that was mostly speculators. Yeah, that's all That's all spec action. If you've gotten any copies, especially the Battle Bus, if you bought oh, yeah, the Fortnite Secret Lair. Sell, sell, sell. Sell, sell, sell. Uh, in Explorer, over on Arena, Karn the Great Creator is banned and Geological Praiser is banned. So mirroring same kind of problems and then in popper they got rid of monastery swift spear which is i have nothing to say because i could care less about popper yeah move on from that all right uh and then i guess the only other thing today was they announced a new doctor who uh secret layer coming right because there's been the big event are you up to date on doctor who stuff i had to go look up some stuff yeah, there's there's a bunch of there's, there's basically a 60th anniversary special because that's how old that show is, right? And and they're bringing back a bunch of the old characters and actors, so the fans are excited. And as a result, we're getting some more new, uh, mechanically unique cards. So you've got the 14th Doctor. Looks like it's probably the banner card here. 14th Doctor is a three mana. It's either red or green and white and blue. So three casting cost three four. Time Lord Doctor, whenever you cast a spell, reveal the top 14 cards of your library. That's uh, a lot to look through. Put all Doctor cards revealed this way into your graveyard and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. You may have the 14th Doctor enter the battlefield as a copy of a Doctor card in your graveyard that was put there from your library this turn. If you do, it gains haste until end of turn. So you take the nastiest Doctor you can find and hit with this. And then you're probably blinking this card a bunch of times and doing it again. Or actually bouncing, because blinking doesn't work. It has to, has to be cast. It it fits into a bunch of the Doctor decks. You get to pair it with companions. It's got four colors, so now you can have a five-color Doctor deck because you pick a black companion to go with this Doctor, and you're in five colors. Well, none of the Doctor cards themselves have been black. So you don't necessarily need to. They've had some other Time Lords that were in black. But uh, of the doctors that have been shown so far, there are 14 doctors plus the fugitive doctor and the war doctor. And neither of those are black as well. Now that you say that, I'm not sure there's a black companion. Let me check that. There's a five color companion whose name escapes me because I I don't remember. But, uh, you know, if you're going to build the doctor deck, you want to dig real hard for all the doctors and here you go this is the way to do it uh i was so is this david Tennant? yeah is wasn't he an earlier doctor as well i don't i clearly have not watched enough of this yeah show. yeah this is this is them bringing him back okay so then uh we only got three cards from the secret lair so presumably there's two more there's we're going to talk about the other two in a moment but there's two more cards to come which would presumably be the 15th Doctor and their companion. There is a black companion, it turns out. Vizzler Turla, which has some of the nicest art in the set, actually. Three and a black for a 2-5 rogue. Deal with the Black Guardian. When Vizzler Turla enters the battlefield, you may have an opponent gain control of it. If you do, it's goaded for as long as they control it. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card, then you lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. So it's a little uh, trap companion. Yeah, give it away and uh, let it undermine your opponent. That's cool. The next one was the Celestial Toymaker for Esper Colors, white, blue, black. Legendary creature, rogue artificer. Whenever it attacks, look at the top three cards of your library. Exile any number of them in a face-down pile and the rest in a face-up pile. Defending player chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand. Then... At the beginning of each end step, each opponent loses two life for each spell or ability that caused one or more players to guess or group cards or permanents into a pile this turn. Uh, I'm interested in guessing, I think, is going to be the bigger one of this. 
but there's a, a surprising number of cards that have done some sort of factor fiction, and thank God they put it at the beginning of each end step, because if they had made this only on your turn, everybody who likes to end of turn factor fiction, you know, they're going to be sad. This is neat, but... Uh, this card's a trap, because yeah. it's there aren't, aren't that many options to play with it, and it's not that easy to attack with a 2-4 anyway. Yeah, especially with no... Like, this doesn't even have haste. Come on. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of decks like this that are buildable in Commander where the Commander has to get in to do the cool thing, but it's not easy to get them in, so you got to add a bunch of equipment that gives them unblockable, and you're just diluting the, the power of the deck. And none of them ever rise to the top of the ranks. So I'm, I'm a pass on anything related to this card. The... A uh, companion they showed off is Rose Noble, three and a blue, two, three. Nice art. Uh, ward two, whenever you cast a doctor spell or a creature spell with doctor's companion, draw a card. That's a good companion because you're just, yeah. you're just getting a beast whisperer for doctors, which is good. Doctors and companions, I this, but. I wish this drew a card when it came into play. It yeah, feels like it should, but it doesn't. It's, it's probably going to be fine because you're going to have all the tons of the doctors and tons of the companions in this deck anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So there's two more cards to come on up, this. Yeah, that's upcoming. We don't know when exactly it's launching, I don't think, yet. That's also true. Uh, no, no. We, oh, no, we do. It's December 11th. So a week from now. I was going to say next week. Like, next week we get Ravnica remastered previews. We get uh, the rest of this. We're just It never stops, buddy. It never stops. Fair enough. Where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online at Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you folks can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the Pro Trader service. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles about the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Uh, once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., when you can buy all kinds of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at Cool Stuff, Inc. to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That's it for this week, James, but more is coming. Thank you, brother, and we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm-hmm.